Good morning again. It's good to see each and every one that's here today. I think I like smaller crowds more than the bigger ones. I think it's, I find it less intimidating. For today I have, it's been on my heart and Richard talked about it incidentally a little bit too, is, uh, is what is wisdom? And the title is Five Points of Heavenly Wisdom. And I did a, a little bit of a study on wisdom, and it's in the book of James as well. And we'll open up our Bibles today in James chapter 1. And just kind of keep it open there, and then we'll go over to James 3 as well. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That it is quite a claim, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavered is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not men think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, if he does not ask it in faith. We'll stop there. Wisdom comes up 234 times in Scripture. And most often in Proverbs, which is 54 times. So it's a, a well-used word, and we use it all the time. And we see an old man, he said, I, that man must be full of wisdom. And I have learned, and Grandpa can testify, he's 92 years old, I looked at grandpa with, that he has a lot of wisdom. And wisdom is often entitled with experience. But not all hoary heads have wisdom. That is sad. But not, a, not all old people have wisdom. We expect them to do, but many don't. And we don't expect young men to have wisdom, but many do. And that is depending on how they seek after it and pray after it and the trials that they have been through. And we'll go into more in depth about these points later. The definition, the, the Webster definition of wisdom is ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Good sense, good sense judgment. Um, a generally accepted belief challenges what has become accepted wisdom among many historians. Um, Definition two, a wise attitude, belief, or course of action. And this is the definition I'm going to speak most of today. A wise attitude, belief, or course of action. And it's also very true that it's ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. That's also, I, I believe, goes together with two. And the third definition is the teachings of the ancient wise men are also known as wisdom. Um, we all are very familiar with John D. Martin and his definition of wisdom. It's been quoted in this pulpit many times, and that is choosing a path or making a decision that after 10 years still proves to be the right decision. 
given the choice, one that we would not hesitate to make again. Choosing a path or making a decision that after 10 years still proves to me the right decision, that is wisdom. Wisdom is one of the greatest requirements for our personal lives, for our family life or work and also church life. It's the greatest requirement. Without wisdom, everything threatens to unravel. Wisdom is not to be confused with knowledge. Now, I will speak knowledge today with a little bit of a negative connotation. Knowledge is good. We cannot say that knowledge is bad. Knowledge is good. We, t- we send our children to school that they we- may increase, not only in wisdom, but also in knowledge. But you have to get my, my point, my gist of my message here is that knowledge has a tendency to puff up. And knowledge and wisdom are not really connected. A lot of times a person that is full of knowledge lacks wisdom. One has very little to do with the other. One can be purely humanistic. The other is a gift from God. A person with a lot of wisdom would not necessarily be the greatest Bible scholar. Wisdom is a matter of life. Whereas Bible knowledge is a matter of intellect. Having intellect depends largely what good a memory you have or how sharp, witty, or intellectual you are. We need to pursue wisdom more than knowledge. Sometimes children of God are caught in a trap of pursuing God's word and attending meetings for the express purpose of furthering their intellect, not God's wisdom. Pursuing Bible knowledge is certainly not a bad thing in itself, but but if it comes from the spirit of pride, then it is from the pits. Okay, I said I'm going to bring five points. These five points are really not important. They're not, if you, I'm not going to say if you have these five points, you have everything. I just, it's basically a title I brought up. And I'm going to bring five points. But you can, you could probably think of five more points. Point one, I think is the most important, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, not from human intellect. Now, if we fear the Lord, that is great wisdom right there. Psalm 111.10. You don't have to go there. I'll quickly go through Psalm 3 verses here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all day that do His commandments. His praise endured forever. And Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. A man that fears God has turned his heart to receive wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the first door a man has to walk through to receive wisdom. My point in that is, if you're not born again, if you have not begun a journey in Christ, you do not fear God. You cannot receive wisdom from God. You can receive experience. You can go through a whole life of experience, but that is not necessarily wisdom. 
You can tell a man, don't walk here after you have a life fulfilled of making the wrong decision. You know, this is not the right direction. But in order to have wisdom, you have to be able to tell a young man or a man that asks, this is the way right there. It's not the path you've already taken. You know that is wrong. But a man that has wisdom knows directly and precisely the direction that you are to go. It's singled out. A man with experience cannot necessarily give you that. But wisdom can. And uh, a man with a lot of experience, a, a godly man, is also very full of wisdom. And he can use that experience. And it brings wisdom. Uh, James 1-2 speaks of trials and temptations that connects and connects these with wisdom. Look at, the pro- look at the amazing promise these verses bring in verse 2. If any man endure many and various temptations and trials, knowing that these trials produce patient endurance, and not only endurance, but that produces perfect works in us, that we will be made complete in the Lord, lacking nothing. This, brethren, should be our goal, to lack nothing from God. Now, this perfect work includes verse 5, being full of wisdom. If any man have any problem at home in their marriage with their children or seek, that are seeking an answer, they have an answer for it. God has an answer for you. It is from God. This is, this is from God's wisdom. All the knowledge in the world would not give you these answers because they come from God. They come from trials and afflictions that the Lord has brought us through because he loves, he loves us. I'll make a note here. It's important to realize that going through trials and afflictions doesn't necessarily mean that you will receive wisdom from God. And I thought of that a lot. Just because we go through trials and suffering as an unbeliever and even as a Christian, sometimes as a Christian we can go through trials and persecutions and we start feeling sorry for ourselves. That type of suffering does not turn into wisdom. The type of trials and temptations that turn into wisdom are those that we recognize and say, Lord, the attitude that, Lord, you have me here for a reason. I'm not quite sure what you want, Lord, but I will bow down my life. I will bow down myself. I will not have self-pity because I realize, Lord, this is brought on from you. For a purpose. This is the type of reckoning that turns into wisdom. Not to feel sorry. Not the one that turns into bitterness. We've all seen old older men that have gone through hell in their life. They have lost children. They, maybe they were in war. Maybe they were veterans. They saw hell. But these men are not full of wisdom. They're full of hatred and bitterness. So it's important to realize verses 3 and 4 say that we need to know what these diverse temptations are for. If we don't realize they are for our betterment that that we would increase in wisdom, they would not necessarily increase our wisdom. We need to let patience have her perfect work in us. 
that is to know and realize that the Lord allows things to afflict us, that it work at patience and wisdom in us. And, and I'm not saying we always feel that way. Um, sometimes these things do produce patience in us. We don't always realize that the things that we're going through are from the Lord. But once we do realize them, it starts building a strength within us, a strength that can help other people, a strength that turns into wisdom. The first step in receiving wisdom is to recognize that we lack it. Who is a man here that thinks that he is full of wisdom? He is probably not. People, other brothers recognize wisdom from another brother or sister. But if we think we're full of wisdom, we're full of pride. The first step in receiving wisdom is recognizing that we lack it. Once we recognize that we might be full of head knowledge, not wisdom, we can begin to ask God for true wisdom. Verse 5 says, if we lack wisdom, we need to ask for God for some. He promised that he would give us liberally. And there again, it's not something that he fills our night, or, or he doesn't pour over us overnight. Wisdom like that goes through a channel. He promised us that he would give us liberally, spilling over, given generously. God doesn't promise us money, a lot of intelligence, or a witty mind, but he does promise us wisdom if we ask for it. Everyone can have as much as he wants, as much as he's willing to have, as much as we allow these trials we face to do that work in us that works wisdom. Remember, brethren, wisdom has to come through the channel of enduring trials. There is no easy way to access wisdom and through these works of patience in our lives. There is no easy curriculum that you can learn that will teach us wisdom outside of real life, diverse temptations and trials. Our stubborn, hard-learning nature requires us that we learn this way. And some people are quicker to pick up on that than other people. Some, some people have to go through their whole life to understand that these sufferings were meant as a love from God upon our lives. Point two is that wisdom comes through enduring trials. First Peter 1, 3-7. You don't have to go through there. I'll just read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein he greatly rejoiced, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Here Peter is speaking of the same things. At the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
In verse 5, go back to verse 5 here in First James, or in James 1. It says, He gives us wisdom without upbraiding us. Now, this is a very old word, one that I was not familiar with. But upbraiding is a powerful me- word that means rebuke, criticism, or fault-finding. Now, let's read it again. That God gives us wisdom without finding fault, without criticism. What an awesome God it is. He is one that doesn't hold it against us once he's forgiven us. He doesn't keep putting our weaknesses in front of us to remind us what we did without rebuke, without rebuke. He gives us what we ask without finding fault in us. As fathers and mothers, as brothers, workplace laborers, we may at times rebuke or criticize our children or fellow brethren by saying, why do you keep doing that? You did it again. You should be a lot further along than that. How long have you been a Christian and you still struggle with that? God, our Heavenly Father, never says that. It says it's without reproach. But there's a but in the next verse. And that's a big but. We need to ask in faith. God gives it to us, but we need to ask in faith. With expectation, nothing wavering. For he is... He that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, nor is, it, nor is it possible to receive from him the things we ask. It's like asking for a piece of bread from our heavenly earthly father. And before he has a chance to give it to us, we turn away where we run away. We run away from him. We don't believe he's going to give it to us. There's no expectation there. We can rest assured that if we lack wisdom, we can with assurance come to God and ask, and he will give us liberally. But I would bet when we ask for that wisdom, it's going to come in a form which we didn't think it would. Unless we have wisdom enough to realize that the next day's affliction were meant exactly to give us that, to give us wisdom, the trials And trials don't always come in the form of pain. They sometimes come in the form of temptation, wanting something, desiring something, looking with our eyes which we shouldn't. We need to endure these temptations, to be faithful in the midst of these temptations. And then that builds wisdom. As humans, we have this this nasty tendency to remind people with reproach. That is to remind them that we that what they have done in the past. To let them know that we know they did it and keep that needle prick handy anytime we have ought against them. I told you so. Jesus never rebuked the prodigal son when he came back. He liberally prepared a feast and rejoiced that he came back. This is the attitude we need to have with others. Our Heavenly Father will never reprove us with reproach. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if the son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Do we believe this? It requires faith. Asking faith, asking expectations. Um, Zach Ponen brought up this this, um, similarity with a traffic light, which we're all familiar with. You have three lights. You have a red one, a yellow one, and a green one. I forget which order they come, but they have three these three colors. Practically meaning, um, Zach Pona pointed out, when we ask of God in faith, he gives us these three answers, like a traffic light. No means stop. Wait is the yellow light. And yes means go. And he always gives us these three if we ask in faith. It's not always, we, we come and expect a yes. A yes could mean healing. Or we come and we, uh, we ask God, and we need to come with the expectation that he answers prayer. And sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's yes, I will, and he does. But it's always an answer. Can we accept these three answers from God? Every good father here on earth uses these three answers as well with his children. It's not only yes, yes, yes. We do not get everything we want from God. Neither do we as fathers give our children everything they want. For the simple reason that it would be bad for them if we give them certain things to ask for. James goes on with this subject. So I want you all to go to James chapter 3 now. In verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13, we'll read to 18. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strive in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strive is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. In verse 13 and 17, he shows us what wisdom is. Full of works of meekness, of wisdom, such a man is full of gentleness. Verse 17, he will go about and treat his family, his brethren, workmates with gentleness. Wisdom is pure, peace, loving, and gentle, without false pretense, without hypocrisy, easy to approach, forgiving, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality. In verse 14 and 15, he shows us what it, wisdom is not. Bitter, envying, striving our hearts, always jealous of someone that is better than he is. Jealousy, always ready to show off their spiritual knowledge. Such a person is arrogant and proud. Wisdom is far from such a person. Verse 16 says, Around such a person is jealousy, selfish ambitions, envying, strife, confusion, disorder, and every evil work. Let these not be found amongst us. Verse 15 says that this wisdom does not come from God, but is from the pits of hell, devilish. That is some strong language. We need to take... Um, we need to take these words serious. 
and I will go through these now in detail. Uh, point four is wisdom is pure, peaceable, and gentle. Pure first, and it brings purity as a reason first. A wise man realized that, that maintaining purity is number one priority. That means a clear connection to God. There is nothing, there are no hazy uh, things in the way before God. That priority is there. He is pure before God. He is ever ready. He has maintained his purity. He has made that his number one priority. That is wisdom. If we want to grow in wisdom, we need to stay pure in heart. This practically means to not only watch our eyes, but to keep our heart from unforgiveness. We are no longer pure if we harbor unforgiveness. Purity means to keep gazing on that which is pure and holy. Next one is peaceable. A wise man is also peaceable, one that has a reputation of not quarreling or arguing. We accomplish nothing by fighting and arguing. A wise man or woman sees and detects the beginnings of an argument and stops it, or he walks away, or he does something. He does not keep going and arguing. Um, no, I have nothing more to say. This conversation is not going anywhere, and it profits nothing to keep going down this trail. Better to let the person think they have won the argument than to keep on arguing. Some might call it weakness, but this is being peaceable and wise. A wise man pursues peace. Next one is gentleness. This does not come naturally for man, but it's not feminine either. Just because you're feminine does not mean you're gentle. You're more prone to being gentle because you have a mother spirit, a mother heart. Every man has to go, come and find the wisdom of gentleness. Meekness is often marked by gentleness. A wise man is gentle and he has a reputation to, be not, to not be harsh. One act of gentleness upon a person that didn't deserve it will sometimes make an impression on them that they will never forget for the rest of their lives. It can bless them to, point, to the point where they can eventually find the Lord. Gentleness is sensitivity to avoid subjects that might embarrass a brother or sister, especially publicly. I have a lot to learn in that area. A wise man is gentle and has a reputation of not being harsh. Point five, wisdom is reasonable, merciful, fruitful, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Easy to be entreated, meaning being reasonable. Easy to be entreated is a person that is reasonable. The opposite is being stubborn. When one brings reasonable arguments to being willing to change one's mind. To not be stuck with a tunnel direction in the light of godly alternative options. The definition of a fight is to bring two unreasonable brothers together to work on a project and watch from a distance. Wisdom is to be reasonable in the midst of different opinions. Not to be confused with compromise. A wise man does not compromise with truth, but willing to change his mind for the sake of peace on temporal things. A wise man is one that is willing to ask different people for direction and instructions and welcome different opinions and ideas because he realizes he doesn't know everything. 
not only to hear and listen, but to submit himself under the counsel of the brethren. Next is full of mercy. A wise man is clear in his mind that there is not a single human being that he has not forgiven. A wise man takes time during the day to think of every human being that has ever hurt him to forgive them with all their hearts. This does not mean that we have forgotten that hurt, but we have forgiven them. A wise man has a reputation that he or she is quick to forgive, not only that his wife knows, but the brethren knows as well, that this brother is quick to forgive. He does not harbor any faults from another brother or sister or from a husband or wife. He is full of mercy. Next one is full of good fruits. A wise man has good fruits following him. You don't have to look far to see the wisdom in his conversation. His tree is hanging full of good fruits. This speaks for itself. Next one is without partiality. Being partial is wavering this way and that way. Being partial is sometimes one of the most unrecognized sins in a church, especially in our community. A wise man is not partial to his or her family, but recognizes the importance of the whole body of Christ and doesn't show partial favoritism to his family or favorites. A partial person doesn't realize that they have a bend toward someone. Wisdom is acknowledging that a younger brother or sister that might be ten times more spiritually immature than they are, but admitting that they are right and we are wrong at times. A man with great wisdom knows that he or she could be frequently wrong and needs to surround himself with a body of otherwise brethren without partiality. Next one is without hypocrisy. A wise man recognized that hypocrisy is one of the greatest deceptions and sins that a man can have in a New Testament covenant. It is to the Pharisees he asked how they shall escape the damnation of hell. To present a cup that is absolutely clean, to present it before all men, but inwardly it is full it is full of spoiled, rotten vileness that he can smell from a mile, and the Lord does smell it. And he is turning his face away from hypocrisy. He sees the bad stench of that cup. A wise man realizes the deception of this great sin and keeps himself clean from hypocrisy. This list hits the core of our weaknesses as Christians, and we will find ourselves wanting for wisdom. In conclusion, I want to encourage you to seek after wisdom. Brethren, seek after wisdom. Certain brothers and sisters have, get a reputation for having wisdom. Unfortunately, certain brothers and sisters have a reputation for having the lack of it. You don't have to be an elder in a church to pursue and have wisdom. You will find that people seek you out for opinions because they have seen that your counsel has proven true many times. There is no man alive that doesn't welcome the outcomes made in wisdom. God has it. 
He wants to give it to us. He who has ears to hear, let him, let him hear. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in the light of all these scriptures, we find it sobering that we are nothing without wisdom, your wisdom. So, Lord, we cry out to you for wisdom. Give us the understanding that the trials and tests that you have us in now, in the past, in the future, are created by you, our loving Father, to create this wisdom in us. Lord, increase our fear and love of you in our hearts. For this is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, we pray that you would increase your peace in us, that we would show peace to others. Lord, we pray that we would be that we would be filled with gentleness, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruit. Lord, show us where we are partial and keep us from hypocrisy. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.